Welcome to Tell Me More About Cohousing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Cohousing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We have broken ground on the first cohousing project in Houston, in Texas. Yay! Hi, Hi Kelly. <laughs> Are you having a groundhog moment with me today? <laughs> so we recorded this yesterday and you dear listeners will be pleased to know it was not our technological uh, difficulties that brought it down but rather that this topic is a is a difficult one to put into terms that we think are really accessible to people inside of co-housing and out so with that lynn tell us what you've been thinking about okay thanks kelly and thanks for um coming at this again with me I appreciate your endurance and your resilience in co-housing. Um, well, I've been pondering about how difficult it is for some of our newcomers to embrace this concept that, and, and what they find themselves doing is what we all do when we meet up with something new. We try and categorize it and we try to understand a new concept by connecting it to things that we already understand. So we might make comments like, oh, this reminds me of, or this looks like, or this feels like. So when newcomers come to this topic of co-housing, they try to grasp at what we're talking about by making these connections. So where are you going with this? Is there a problem with it? Yeah, there's a, there actually is a problem. And this is why we're having this podcast is the problem is that people end up comparing a traditional downtown Houston condo to a custom designed co-housing community. And while that does help in some ways, they expect it to have all of the positive aspects that attracted them to the concept in the first place, but then they also expect it to cost the same or less in a lot of cases, which is also kind of interesting. So they're coming at this from, well, yes, it does have all these wonderful things, but it shouldn't cost anything more. Yeah, but isn't that possible? I mean, if you look at the conceptual design, it doesn't look that different at first glance. Yeah, you'd be right about that. And that is kind of an interesting feature of just looking at a picture without the narrative. Because on the surface, you might think so. You're absolutely right. But if you start breaking it down, scratch below the surface, there are several factors that people lose sight of when they're doing a straight price per square foot comparison, which is what people love to do because that's symmetric in real estate today in the 21st century. So there are the tangibles of bricks and mortar, et cetera, which we can count and we can put a price on. And there's also these intangibles, the community, the sense of belonging, et cetera, et cetera, which is a lot of what we actually try to lead out with. Um, and which, with each one of these, we, we assess them a little bit differently. So this Price per square foot, you know, you've got metrics, you can look that up. What is this neighborhood, et cetera? But when it comes to, you know, how do you feel in that neighborhood? Do you feel connected? Is there a sense of community? We have like zero measuring stick for that. That's not even hardly talked about. Yeah. Well, so if we start with the tangibles, I know we talk about the fact that the prices that we're quoting are 2023 prices, right? They're future prices mm -hmm. and not like today, go buy it today prices, which is what everyone's using for comparison. So I know that that's one thing, but what else were you thinking of? 
Well, of course, the timing factor, yes, is a big one. But the, for me personally, and there may be others for others in the community, but for me, there's three other major things that are on my mind when I look at other condo projects inside the loop and I look at our co-housing little mini pocket neighborhood or little community. Um, the first one is sustainable design features. So we've done a lot very intentionally to design um, for sustainable living. And a good example of that was one that you can put dollars and cents to, and that's the geothermal heating and cooling exchange. And I don't know of any other project in Houston that's doing anything like that or even talking about it. Right, so that's number one. Number two would be the green space for gardening. So that'd be both edible and decorative. And I did a quick back of the envelope calculation. About 20% of our footprint is dedicated to this shared space. Mm. And if, if I compare that, say my son who purchased uh, actually a townhouse in a small townhome community near where our project is, he had barely even what you would call a postage stamp for a backyard. And the entire rest of their property is 100% concrete. Um, so there's no real space for any of that. And, um, you know, I did a little bit of Googling around today just to see if, if this is kind of more general across Houston. And what you see in Houston is that most of these places, you're really kind of limited to whatever kind of patio environment you might have. So you might be doing potted plants on your patio, but you really don't have a larger space where you can really dig in and get green. And a lot of people, that is a drawback for them for moving to a more dense multifamily environment. So that's my second one. And then of course, the third one is what co-housers like to call the secret sauce of co-housing, the common house. So we do have a 4,200 square foot shared house at the heart of the community. And it's so much more than these kind of sterile, vacuous social rooms that you get shown on condo tours elsewhere. Um, you know, they talk about how great they are and how people come together, but every single time I've been on a tour, they're completely empty mm -hmm. <laughs> and very well dusted and clean, but yeah. they look just pretty sterile. <laughs> I don't get a sense that those are an extension of my home in the same way that I hear about and that I visited co-housing communities elsewhere, places where there's life, there's meals, there's community meetings, there's puzzles going on, craft projects, music, and movie nights, and so much more. Um, so that those are my top three in terms of the, you know, the tangible factors. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is like the tangibles we could talk about, right? And we can show people those things on, uh, point those out, but that they're, they might be overlooked as obvious cost factors. You might just right. look really quickly at the property and just say, oh, it's the same as this other thing. So is that, that's what you're saying that if you look, scratch a little bit deeper, you might find some additional elements that you wouldn't find elsewhere. Yeah. And actually, you know, we could actually add those to a spec sheet, right? You could probably, if somebody wanted to put pen to paper on that, we could even do some work on that. Although nobody's yeah. really, but we're not leading out with that, right? We're not, we're not selling that. Exactly. Yeah. So then there are the things that are harder time, like it's harder to quantify, like the things that you are leading out with things that you might not be able to put a dollar figure to like the intangibles. Yeah, exactly. The intangibles. So they seem to get left out of the equation when people come to doing this kind of bottom line comparison. And I, and I, you know, I don't fault people for that because they're just, um, they don't know how they don't know how we've got no basis for trying to to put a price on it just comes down to what do you value versus what you don't value and if I have to list my top three it's you know my neighbors know me 
and I know them, which is vastly different from where I live today. We have each other's backs. We're there for each other. Uh, it's a very reciprocal arrangement, very different than when you just hire out somebody. You can hire out a bunch of people, but they're, they might not think to, to show up when you, when you no, don't say that you need them, but you actually need them. And if you're in a relationship with each other, you know that about each other. Um, the second thing would be is that we have shared meals together. So in our project, we're planning to have regular meals and you get to have those meals without having to have a kind of a reply all email storm, which is often what happens in the world I live in when anybody even like even just grab, hey, let's go grab a, a bite to eat. You know, the whole thing ends up in this big snarl and often falls apart with nobody getting together at all. And the third thing that that I'm really looking forward to is that uh, living with neighbors who really do want to be connected to each other and they really want to work together because working together, I think, is a great way of building relationships. It goes way beyond and deeper than just sitting around uh, on National Neighbor Night Out or Fourth of July picnic. And of course, you know, my ultimate, you know, the bottom line, the headline, the everything, the box around all of this for me is neighborliness without disaster because Houston yeah. prides itself on this neighborliness which they seem to have only uh accessible to them when we have a disaster so um that's really that's where where I think the the, the this whole comparison thing kind of falls apart for me mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. kind of it that's my piece that's that's yeah. that's you know um I think at the end of the day People are trying to compare apples to oranges. So the tangible cost comparison attempts are not usually very comprehensive. And the intangibles aren't even considered when they do the bottom line. So actually, I feel kind of sad when somebody steps away, citing the price per square foot as a justification. I feel like sometimes like I haven't done my job right. Like I was not successful in opening the world to them in the way that I'm seeing it. But, you know. Maybe I know you've asked me sometimes, well, maybe it's something else that's bothering them and they just don't know how to say it. Yeah. Or, or maybe they just literally can't afford it. That is always a possibility. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting the way different people use different metrics and the different ways that uh, information comes into people and how they move forward or don't move forward with different pieces of information. But I'm, but I really feel like understanding the both really understanding the, the tangibles, you know, looking more deeply at the project um, is really important. And then also to experience the intangibles, you know, if you join as an explorer, you spend a lot mm -hmm. of time with us and then you start to experience those intangibles and you can start to feel what it's like to live in a community in that way. Yeah. It's kind of like a light bulb goes on for explorers, I think. So I really am, am uh, I'm very grateful to an explorer who really comes in and and does their due diligence in that area because I think it does shift their thinking and their sense of the world. Maybe I shouldn't have expectations on our earlier uh, contact phase, but wait till the end of the explorer period before I <laughs> before yeah, I so and harshly all things judge. in life. That's probably a good idea, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kelly, for uh, a rerun. Re and thanks to our listeners for stopping by. We're so glad you clicked on our episode today. 
For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Oh, and one thing I'm going to mention today, since it's about to go out in the next hour or two, um, the newsletter comes out once a month. So, you know, make sure really subscribe to that thing. It's going to be very cool this month. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Celine. Bye.